0: You're listening to Germantown Community Radio 92.9 FM WGGT LP, Philadelphia, and online at gtownradio.com. If it's Thursday evening, this is Cue the Mic. Or if it's Saturday afternoon at 2, you're listening to us on WXVU 89.1 FM, Villanova's College
1: Station. Good evening and welcome. Cue the mic, cue the mic. This is Dr. Renee Norris Jones. Um, I like to use my not very good British accent because I don't take myself too serious. Um, But this is Dr. Renee Renee Nars Jones. My grandchildren finally call me Dr. Grandmother. Everything to do with me. I highly, I suggested it. They're one in five. So, you know, we get various degrees of doctor and grandmother. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm here with my co-host, Sandy Smith. Yes. Hi, uh, I'm Sandy.
0: My day job is a home and real estate editor at Philadelphia Magazine. Um, in order to keep people from sending me emails that begin, Dear Ms. Smith, my, home, my pronouns are he, him, and his. And uh, we have a couple of guests this week. Um, let's see, from Transminer Rights um chris i don't have your last
1: name nelson thank you i'm sorry i just put chris on the studio on the on the schedule chris's name on the schedule and did not put the last name i'm so sorry
0: yes uh chris nelson and we also have attorney henry sias who was a guest on our program a few years back and joins us again welcome
2: thank you Um,
0: Oh yeah, well, we need to get your pronouns, both of you.
2: Uh, well, this is Henry. I use he, him and his. Thanks.
3: And Chris. And I'm Chris, I go by they, them pronouns.
0: Thank you. Uh, we will get to why pronouns matter in just a minute, but uh, that's our first segment on the queue. Uh, we will also have a Trans Spotlight uh, this week. Um, there are a couple of big developments regarding protections for transgender um, individuals, both at the uh, Department of Education and the Justice Department. Um, we'll be following that by political cues and news. We've got several uh, items of controversy there. Uh, after that, we'll be doing gay answers to straight questions, um, our ever popular segment for the Clueless, and then our lightning round, Newsworthy or Not. Uh, Unfortunately, I forgot to look up to see what happened today in queer history. Then again, we all tend to focus on the Stonewall protests, which took place uh, a week and a half from now. So um, let's go into uh, why pronouns matter. There
1: you go. And I think, is that my, is that my cue there? Yep. I am multitasking. So there's, there's two things that um, we want to talk about and why pronouns matter. Um, one of them is Sandy had sent me a tweet last week and it was from a, I believe it was a female. I don't remember, but she said after my internship in, ended, um, at, a, at the Oregonian last, last year. It looks like she's a journalist so she's major.
0: Intern, she was an intern at the Oregonian, the right. uh, uh-huh. newspaper. I think she went by the initials JK.
1: Okay. And she, she stopped including her pronouns on her resume and cover letter. And the reason why is that when she had her pronouns on there, she got no responses at all. When she took off her pronouns, the responses came in like it was nothing.
0: And she wrote in her tweet, I think about that a lot when I see discussions about diversity in journalism and who gets a fair shake in this industry. So, you know, that kind of hits close to home. And there was a pretty robust discussion about this uh, on Twitter. Um, And most of the people who responded were pretty much in a corner that it should, you know, be something we included. I, I pointed out, you know, that people were sort of asked informally, you know, should we include our pronouns? Um, and I pointed out myself that, you know, I have a very legitimate reason for doing so. Uh, my name is considered female by many. So I often, unless unless somebody has seen a picture of me or has spoken to me, they may not know that I'm mad.
1: Henry and Chris, do you guys have any comments or thoughts about that? Or have you experienced this at all?
2: Sure. Um, I think uh, in, so I'm a lawyer. Uh, I work in the court system. In fact, I work uh, at Superior Court, which is our state's, uh, one of our state's two intermediate courts. So quick caveat. Today I'm not talking with my, you know, law clerk hat on. I'm talking with my, my own. This is all my own stuff here, my own opinions. I'm also a commissioner on the state commission of LGBTQ affairs, and so that's more the lane I'm in. I'm not talking as, uh, you know, somebody who works in the courts. Um, but in our profession, it's really important that we make people feel comfortable and and that we connote respect to everybody. So I, you know, in ex- talking about pronouns with lawyers, uh, most of whom are not trans, they're cisgender people. Um, they are usually pretty glad to talk about how to handle this, and um, you know, they're aware, even if they don't have the vocabulary, that every person has an, is sort of an innate need for social recognition. And you know, if we're not getting the little stuff right at the beginning, it's going to be really hard to get people to open up about anything else.
3: Yeah, I definitely think um, people should have the option to put pronouns on things. I know that some people prefer not to. Like I've known cisgender and transgender people who don't want to put their pronouns on things and that's perfectly fine too. But I don't think that whether or not you have your pronouns on something like your resume or your Twitter should be any cause for concern for an employer. That's That definitely feels like discrimination.
1: Hmm.
0: I guess I would back her up there because you know what it seems to me happened to this, you know, uh, our, our intern at the Oregonian is that somehow the people who saw her resume considered the fact that she included her pronouns on it a mark against her, you know, and why would that be? I mean, the pronouns you use to refer to yourself have no bearing on your capabilities, your talent, your skills, your ability to do the job, you know, um, the only
3: reason I can think of is that they then assumed that she was transgender and they didn't want to hire her for that reason. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and that's really surprising since more and more organizations um, have pronouns. Um, I, my affiliation is with Woman Against Abuse and a Survivor Advocate for Domestic Violence, and they have been adding pronouns for at least a couple of years now. I'm horrible with time without a clock, but it's been a number of years. Um, and I think they recently added to their, their signature page, something about Black Lives Matter, we care about black lives or something, but the pronouns have been on there for a long time and other organizations I'm involved with. So whenever I'm on Zoom, my name comes up with my pronoun. Right now I'm using the Zoom station for the radio station, G-Town Radio. So my name's not even on there, but when I sign in personally, my pronouns are on there no matter what site I go to um no matter what type of meeting that I'm in because that's just my permanent signature but it does feel like discrimination it does um as a separate side note I have a group fit thread that I do with family and it's a couple of generations on there from great great nieces and nephews to a couple of older siblings and um I don't know how the conversation started but the conversation recently went to, I think one of my younger great-great-nieces or nephews mentioned something about how they felt today with Black Lives Matter, and they said something in reference to, first we were the N-word, and then we were um, Negro, and then Black, and then African-American, and they said, I'm tired of people giving us this, their, these names, these titles, and I had to go back and remind them that A lot of this had to do with the culture. When James Brown came came out with Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud, it changed the conversation from Negro to Black. And I remember my parents and older adults not feeling that at all. They did not feel that at all. They were totally uncomfortable with it. Um, And then at some point later, I don't remember what the years that went by, it was African-American. And then there was a divide between Blacks and African-Americans. But the Thought behind that, and I might be going down a whole rabbit hole, was Negroes did not have a, a land. Okay. There was no there was no Negro land. Blacks did not have a land. Africa is our land, so it added culture and it added identity and it gave a sense of pride. But I, I had explained to them that that's where it came from, and that was with, within the culture, did not come from outside. I don't know how I got down that down that rabbit hole. But uh, so
0: we've gone back to black now, and the AP tells us it should be capitalized, even.
3: Really? Um, yep. Huh, um, I've heard that too.
1: And that oh. an AP is the Associated Press, correct? Correct,
3: the Associated yes. Press, which is
0: the you know the Associated Press style book is the Bible of uh, proper usage and spelling for journalists. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, I've I've had the thought to myself that you know maybe we were a little too quick to go back to black because now I'm sensing that. You know, there are some cultural differences between the descendants of the freed slaves and the immigrants from Africa and the Caribbean.
1: Mm-hmm. You
3: know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay. And- I was actually having a similar conversation with my friend the other day, uh, I think yesterday, about um, how it kind of the differences between when you bring up black rights, and when you bring up LGBT rights in different spaces. Um, Like I'm part of a couple of different Facebook groups that aren't necessarily like civil rights groups or anything. They're like uh, meme groups and things like that. But a lot of them are very like affirming to minority groups. And, you know, in pride month, there's been a lot of pro LGBT posts and anybody who makes any kind of transphobic comment was pretty much immediately removed. Um, But then somebody made a post relating to like racism in the fandom and everyone started going, well, I don't think it's racist and stuff like that. Like white people were all like jumping to defend the to defend the show that we were talking about, basically. And it was like, you know, you're all like on board with talking about how like homophobia exists. But when the topic of race comes up, everyone gets uncomfortable.
1: Yes, yes, um, and inequality is inequality total. Um, we and could Cindy, and that
0: should devote an, a future episode of the show to this.
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And Cindy, I just wanted to come back full circle where you said the AP included black with an uppercase B um, and title case and the AP actually has a style book for LGBTQ um, communities.
0: Wait a minute, is that, does the AP have that or is that the style book that the NLGJA produces?
1: I thought they both did. I know that NGJ... NLGJA. I, know, I can never get that acronym. Formerly National
0: it. Lesbian and Gay <laughs> Journalists Association.
1: Yes. Now simply known as NLGJA
0: colon the Association of LGBTQ Journalists. I, I literally have uh, to I say the alphabet At the end of this show. Like sorry, thing what?
3: that P Flag did because P Flag used to be parents and friends of lesbians and gays, but they want to be inclusive. So they're just P Flag now, and it doesn't necessarily mean anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because with uh in, I literally have to go national lesbian and gay, gay. Like I cannot just get it off, off without going slow.
0: Which is um, why folks inside the organization used to refer to it as negligee. <laughs>
1: Um, I, I thought they had a an LGBTQ a uh, the AP. No, it's just uh, it's, I think it's
0: Jay it. that produces that style book.
1: Anyway, um, we have come full circle back around. Yeah. I, I yeah, did yeah, want to do.
0: Be, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, well, if you have one more thing, but I think from here, we should move to the trans spotlight because there's important stuff in it.
1: It is. I just have one quick thing to say that I actually started um, the pronoun segment with this week. And we the so with why pronouns matter. And then as we were kind of putting together the show, we added this piece in that Sandy had added kind of early in the week. And I have, um, I'm just going to back up. I think when an apology is due, an apology is due, and if you add anything else to the apology, it kind of negates the apology. So I would say that I owe a blanket apology for Um, frequently misgendering in title, not not intentionally, um, but it's something that I acknowledge that I do and I'm constantly correcting myself on. So I just wanted to put that out there as an apology and not add too much to it because I don't want to cloud the apology, but I just needed to acknowledge that in, um, because it's something I've done. If you listen to the show with something and I've done, I'm frequently corrected. Um, It is not for lack of a of intention, but again, I'm going to leave it at the apology if you've listened to the show um, as something that I've done unintentionally. So I'm going to leave it Yeah,
3: I think it's important that you acknowledge um, the impact it has, you know, rather than just the intent, because it like, like, I know that you don't mean it. We all know that you're an ally, but it's, it's about like putting in the effort. So thank you for saying
1: Yes, and I didn't just mean intent, but at the impact as well. I just was just trying to keep it short because I think apologies need to be apologies. But I just wanted to put some history. But I'm going to stop there. I offer apologies.
0: Okay, Sandy. Well, let's see. We've got a couple of items for our Trans Spotlight this week that uh, suggests that uh, the rear guard action being fought by the forces of fill-in-the-blank is not succeeding. Renee, you put both of these here.
1: Yes, one I did. Th- right. So the first one I saw was on the 16th, transgender students protected by school by Title X, Department of Education. I remember seeing the headline? Nine, oh, I'm sorry. Title 9? Title not, 9. I'm yeah. sorry. What did I say? You said Title X. Yes, yes, t- Title 9. Sorry, yeah. I get my titles mixed up.
3: Be um 10.
1: <laughs> Yeah, on the 16th, and then on the 17th, the next day, the Department of Justice states that transgender restrictions are unconstitutional, and I was just like, whoa, it was just a lot, and I know that it's something that Chris has been on the show, and we've talked about these topics over time, various lanes, various topics, and Henry and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago um i think so i've known henry we, we you know we chat time to time and i think i had reached out to him just for um for something completely different and he was saying how um a lot of things that were happening in the world regarding regarding transgender rights and treatment had was disturbing is that correct henry yes
2: yeah that's totally fair to say
1: yes so when I saw both of these, I reached out and said, "Oh my God, did you see this this week? We're definitely going to talk about this." And of course, I included, included Trish, Chris um, because it's something that we have been discussing over the last discussing discussing over the last few years. Well, so I welcome you both to kind of jump in. And I guess, what did did you guys see both of them as they came out?
2: Uh, yes. Yes.
0: We should perhaps note that the Department of Justice thing regards laws governing, you know, restricting abilities of transgender athletes to compete in, you know, intercollegiate and interscholastic sports. And this does seem to be a very hot topic right now.
3: Indeed. The the anti-trans sports bills have been introduced in more than 20 states, I think. It might have been more than half the states um, but I think, I don't remember if any of them passed. I, I think I've heard that four states like uh, Arkansas and some other states have passed some sort of anti-trans legislation, but I don't remember which it was.
0: Arkansas is one of the two states that uh, the DOJ is targeting with such a law. I have this vague recollection that the governor of Arkansas actually vetoed the bill and then the legislature overrode his veto.
3: Yeah, a lot of people thought that was largely performative because he knew that it was going to end up being overridden. So he vetoed it to like get in good with the LGBT community essentially, mm-hmm. knowing that it wasn't like knowing that it was going to eventually become law anyway. Ah. <laughs> so I'm not sure how accurate that is. Um, but we do know it's happened before, like, uh, gay marriage was legalized in Pennsylvania one year before it was legalized nationwide, and it was pretty much solely because the governor wanted re-election.
0: Mm-hmm. That lot of good it did that governor.
1: So, Henry, what was your, you said you were, you heard them both as they came, like, within a day apart, within 24 hours.
2: Yeah, so I, um, I've been uh, working on a lot of these issues since 2002, which is my first year in law school. Um, I think I, I have told you before, I, I went from 2002 to 2005 in law school. So my first semester, we were working on Lawrence v. Texas, the case uh, where the Supreme Court struck down uh, quote-unquote sodomy laws, uh, laws criminalizing um, basically any kind of sexual conduct that was not strictly heterosexual. Um, So that was my first year. And that case came down the summer between my first and second year. And then by my third year of law school, people were getting married. We were suing Donald Rumsfeld over Don't Ask, Don't Tell and recruiting. It just was a very intense period, which was then followed, we all remember, by a lot of uh, time and money and resources on marriage equality. And so I did have a moment a few weeks back where I where I thought, oh boy, this sure does feel like a here-we-go-again moment as I see these anti-trans sports bills popping up all over the country. Um, and it's an issue that I'm working on uh, with the Commission on LGBTQ Affairs and with the Bar Association, which has a working group that's looking at this uh, proposed legislation. So... Um, one of the things that I thought it might be interesting to talk about and give me your uh, take on this is messaging. What kind of messaging is effective for people who are kind of in the concerned middle, who you know, think of themselves as right-minded people and fair people, but who just don't quite know enough about the trans community to understand why these sports bands are not great. Uh, does that sound good yes yeah all right yeah so one of the reasons i want to talk about this is because these strategies you know we live in a democracy which means that we are always going to be talking with people who have different views different takes on things and it's sort of part of our uh, being a responsible democratic person living in a democracy to to kind of get better tools for relating to others and trying to reach consensus with them and You know we've had some real shock to the system moments (laughs) in the past let's say five years um about what some of our fellow citizens think and believe and so it can be a little discouraging but but we have to keep this democracy going so uh, i'm looking at a document that is from an organization called map and that is the movement advancement project and a lot of so this is about the trans trans kids and school facilities access, but the same strategies can work for all sorts of different conversation. So the three approaches that they encourage are emphasizing shared values. We all care about fairness, right? This is about fairness and both sides have strong views about how to protect fairness in this context, but we're all honoring fairness as a value here. Number two, explain why it's important to protect transgender students And number three, help people calm their concerns. And I think number three, we can come in with some good information, but I don't know about you, but my tendency sometimes is to come right in with the data, right? The science says this, the science says that. But if we look around the room right now where the room equals our nation, there are people who, um, you know, believe that the vaccine is gonna put a microchip in them. And uh, there are people who believe that climate change isn't real. So I don't, you know, historically speaking, running right in with the data hasn't been effective. It wasn't effective with marriage equality and it's probably not gonna be effective here either. Um, So starting with emphasizing shared values and making people feel heard is a great way to uh, open up that concerned middle.
1: So is that where, um, hold on one second. And I lost my page here. Um, and so that's really affecting both of these topics that came out within 24 hours of each other.
2: Yeah. Um, I have been focused the most on the, the sports bands. That's been, because I'm on a working group that's uh, that's looking at that issue. It's something that's coming up in Pennsylvania. Um, but yes, this is these strategies, are good and important ones for all sorts of conversations that we're going to have with family members, neighbors, etc.
1: I'm sorry. Can you say say that part again?
2: Sure. Uh, the strategies I'm talking about are are you know they're good strategies for all sorts of contexts, is what I'm saying. But um, but I think uh, they're of great value, especially in talking about the trans community, because even there are a lot of people out there who are eventually going to be good allies to our community, but they just don't know much about us yet. Hmm. So they don't understand why it's not okay to ban trans kids from sports teams. You know, I hate to even put this image out there, but a lot of people are picturing you know somebody like Rob Gronkowski just like leveling a freshman volleyball team and that's not what we're talking about so, <laughs> and, so and you free.
1: know what honey and, and I just want to interrupt for one second this takes me back to the conversation we just had a little while ago um when blacks weren't allowed in sports you know um yes if if, if a black entered a swimming pool and that's why I think um we have racism and classism and all the isms. If, 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 you hate, you hate, you know what I'm saying? I, I think we need to, we need to open it up, but there were times where if a black entered a public swimming pool, the pool was drained. Yeah. You know, and there were a lot of violence behind that too. But as you're, as you're saying that I'm going, wow, this sounds vaguely familiar to me. Um, and we keep, we, we keep transferring the, um, this, Hate, I'm, hate just covers a lot of things. It, it covers a lot of the isms, but it just that that was my immediate thought, you know, and you, you, you just change the, the group and the message and the topic is the same. I'm not saying and not to minimize any of them, but it's you, know, you, you, you just hear it and you go, wow, that's that's I've heard this before. Um, I definitely okay.
3: keep trying to use like pseudoscience to try and defend their positions to like, well, biological males have the advantage of blah, blah, blah. And like, that's why we created women's sports. And like, I understand that, you know, the uh, differently gendered sports were actually designed for a reason because women weren't getting recognition in the sports that they were playing. But I think this also comes back to like the bathroom issue and any issue that we talk about where things are separated by gender, that like maybe separating things by gender in the first place isn't what we should have done. Um, And that's something that I've been talking to my friends about regarding the sports bills is like in wrestling, for example, they don't split it up by gender, they split it up by weight class. So why can't we do something like that? Where like if it's running we separate people by their speed things like that so it's not going to be specifically gendered
1: right right so and your point about the the bathrooms you said that maybe we shouldn't have done it by done that by gender what would be an alternative Um, i'm not against it i'm just it was interesting
3: the alternative that I've talked to other activists about, specifically non-binary activists, um, because you know it sort of changes the conversation when we're talking about like trans men and trans women. When we add in non-binary people, it's like, well, then where do we go if you're splitting everything into men and women? Um, so in terms of the bathroom issue, what I think is the best idea is just make the stalls more private. So every toilet has its own, like, Floor to ceiling door where that space is private, but then the sink area is mixed, so it doesn't really it's- matter who's in the bathroom. Like I don't care who I'm washing my hands next to, as long as I have privacy while my pants are right, clean.
0: right, yeah. right. I'm a um, trend in bathroom design, you know. I've been in several public facilities now where basically you have a room where all the sinks are. And then individual stalls with toilets and no urinals. To be honest with you, the only really difference between a men's and a women's restroom is that the men's restroom has urinals. And technically speaking, it's possible to design a urinal that both genders could use. Men would have to get used to squatting, but, you know, (laughs) it's possible. Um, But... Go ahead. With the separate toilet stalls is to me like the ideal solution. And I'm surprised that it's taken so long to get our builders and architects to design them that way.
1: Right. Yeah. So, and, 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 and as Chris was talking, I'm thinking, yeah, the whole thing is just to take off the gender and just put bathroom or restroom. Right. Um, and I don't remember how long ago, but I know I was in traveling probably in, in mid, to, mid mid eighties um, in Europe and their bathrooms are unisex, you know, um, where it just is a restroom. So you go in there um, and you go. So yeah, I think as long as the, the stalls, it's the restroom. I was recently at um, a doctor's office off of Rittenhouse square this week and the restroom that usually fit women cause I asked for the key to, to the ladies room because it usually fit ladies room. It just said all gender. Yep. So um, I guess the next one to take that down, so that we're not even thinking about it, is all gender. It's just
2: restrooms.
0: Right. The coffee chain Starbucks is actually um, uh, out front in this regard. Uh, they've been des- redesigning the restrooms in their stores so that the sink is basically out in the corridor next to the stalls, and you know it's it's like a large wash basin with their unique sinks that combine the soap dispenser, the faucet, and the hand dryer in one fixture. Um, right. But in then, you know, the toilets are in individual stalls, and it doesn't matter who goes in.
2: Mm. Yeah. A that. That, uh, move toward that kind of... Uh, facilities design in schools is not only gonna be cheaper than long-term litigation, but let's talk for just a minute about all the other kids that are gonna be benefited from that, right? Every locker room has a kid who's the first through the gate on puberty and a kid who's last through the gate. How many of those kids have been made to feel ashamed of themselves and their bodies because they weren't afforded basic privacy at a school facility? So we can protect them, we can help protect kids who are going through, you know, a lot of weird phases in terms of their relationship with their bodies during these years uh, and keep them maybe, you know, take away one risk factor for eating disorders. We can protect kids who, you know, want to be private about their medical path. Maybe they have some scars they don't want to talk about. Uh, And we can teach all kids the basic lesson that they should not be made to disrobe in front of anybody that they're uncomfortable disrobing in front of. That's a good lesson, right? So why don't we teach them that? And it would be cheaper and it would protect trans kids and all sorts of other kids too.
1: And, and I was definitely that definitely kid, the go first. ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead,
2: rooms were the worst. I
3: Like in middle and high school, I always tried to find a stall or something to change my clothes in and I was a swimmer too. So like I ended up figuring out how to put my swimsuit on and take it off while not taking off my clothes because like I didn't want other people to look at me. <laughs>
1: Yes, and definitely something I remember feeling. I did not enter a a shower room, never in school, never in school. It actually has been, as an adult, probably in the last 20 years, going to a public gym. And even then it was a modesty, but now it's like I go to the shower, I come out. I'm still wrapped in a towel, but high school, middle school, all of those gym days, never. I don't know whether I just... Put my gym suit back on top, no matter how bulky it was, and those were those big blue and Philadelphia, any of those big blue um, bathing suits. But yeah, that was just a horrible time, a horrible time, and just because um, I, I didn't feel comfortable. Mm. So the. Well, I want to go back to these two topics that were on the news on the 16th and 17th. Um, the Department of Justice. I just put the headline in here just to, for space on our on our schedule. Um, and Henry, can you talk about kind of what where that is from a legal point of view with what's happening with that? Sure. Um.
2: So. There is a proliferation of uh, bills. Uh, they're, they're framed as if they are coming from great supporters of Title IX and women's sports. So the first thing that should make us all suspicious is that if you look at who's putting these bills forward, it's not the people who've been always supporting uh, women at in, women in college, women in sports, female inclusion. Uh, it's the hard right wing. So all of a sudden they're taking on the mantle of Title IX and that should be making people suspicious right from the gate. Um, and substantially, it, it comes from a place of misunderstandings about uh, testosterone and, and people's bodies and, and sort of an unwillingness to, on, on the part of some to, to engage with our community more deeply Um, but if you're looking at, you know, one of the things that's important is framing. We need to talk about who, who is this going to affect? So when's the last time you saw a bunch of six-year-olds playing soccer? Uh, think about six-year-olds playing soccer, which, which one of those six-year-olds needs to be protected from competing with another one of those six-year-olds? Like, let's be honest for a second. They're all bad at soccer, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're all bad at soccer. They're all about the same size, and nobody's, you know, nobody's going to be dominating that environment at that age, even if they're pretty good, because they're six. Come on. So so we know we've got, at a minimum, an overbred problem, right? Where we're banning a lot of stuff that probably doesn't need to be banned. And that's going to be something that's looked at from a legal perspective, uh, because we know that this is almost certainly going to be Uh, subject to what we would call intermediate scrutiny. Intermediate scrutiny in uh, US constitutional law is uh, what's applied when you're looking at discrimination via sex. Um, Whereas strict scrutiny would be applied to bans based on race. Um, So the test for intermediate scrutiny is the law or policy being challenged in this uh, situation, the ban against Trans kids playing sports uh, has to be furthering an important government interest by means that are substantially related to that interest. So you can't just say, This is our substantial, you know, this is our important interest. Therefore, we have carte blanche to use either a fly swatter or a mallet. Uh, it has to be related in a, in a meaningful, you know, well tailored way. So then we can look at what the NCAA has done on this issue and what you know, what's happening in the Olympics on this issue. Um, and they have much more narrowly tailored means for ensuring fairness while also protecting inclusion, which tells us that probably these bills are all gonna be unconstitutional and this is a lot of time and money that's, that's ultimately just gonna be uh, negated by the courts. But who's gonna be hurt in the interim? A lot of vulnerable people Uh, and that's that's really a shame
3: yeah a lot of the time I think um these people don't even really have a goal in mind of like actually trying to push these laws through like they know that it's not going to work but they know that it's going to force more trans people into the closet and that's what they want Mm -hmm.
1: mm-hmm mm-hmm um, which relates back to the whole African-American movement. as to when that happened, you know, when it, when it happened to African-Americans and we're just repeating history, you know, um, when Henry said about the six-year-olds, I watched, I did attend the, my four-year-old grandson's um, soccer um, and they were just, everybody run, everybody run. Um, my daughter went to, she went to Quaker school. She's 34 now, but you know, for elementary school, she went to Quaker schools and then she went to Project Learn that's in Mount Airy. Go Project Learn. And they were, um, you know, the families were the board of directors. On Fridays, they had figots for the good of the school that was run by the kids. So we had four-year-olds through eighth graders. And you could not exclude anyone. So if the seventh and eighth graders were playing basketball, A fourth grader can come up and go, I mean, a four-year-old, five-year-old can go, I want to be in that game, and he's in the game, okay? We played in the private school circuit of, I don't know what you call it, I'm not into sports at all, but you know when you play all the different schools? So we were in the league with the private schools. So we would show up with other schools that were very serious about their sports. And we would come up and remind me of the bad the, the bad news fears or whatever. So we would come up and we have fourth graders through eighth graders as our team coming on, okay? Um, and the other schools would just kind of look at us and scratch their heads, going, "What is this? Is this like a joke?" Um, and the parents would go, "We would take our oranges and no matter what that kid, the four year old, the eighth eighth grader did on that field, we all stood up and applauded and everyone got oranges. But it was." Um, I guess people who are really into sports for their kids were just like, well, why would you do that? But it was about them. All they saw was that they were having fun. And because a lot of the kids came through that school, by the time they got to eighth grade, they thought it was normal that everyone got to play. Um, but again, I, I, it's beyond that. It. It, it's about there's a hate and we wanna attack something to it, where whether it was Black people didn't have the same brain power and, and um, trans people don't have this or gay people don't have that. It's, it's hate, man. It's just hate. And uh, what you said, Chris, just took me back to that where um, can you can we take this topic that we were just talking about and say, can we add a weight class to that? Or does that not apply to kids playing sports in school?
3: I think in terms of like younger kids, like Henry was saying, it doesn't really matter at all. Like, I don't think we should be having that conversation for kids who are like, especially kids who are pre-puberty, like it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, and it also comes back to like, like Henry was saying about people don't understand the role testosterone actually plays. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I don't remember if she was an Olympic athlete, but there was a woman who um, was like consistently outrunning uh, the other women on her team and they did some sort of like hormonal testing on her and she just naturally produced a lot of testosterone and she was a cisgender woman. So like you can't just say it's an issue of transgender people. Um, So it's like, that's why I think the weight classes or however you want to class it should be a thing because it's it's a little more accurate than just saying, well, this gender is better than this gender. So we're going to split them up that way.
1: Right, right, right,
2: right. Agreed. Yeah, yeah with di- with different sports, uh, different body types work better, you know, on average. But it's not always so clear clear cut as you know, testosterone's definitely a benefit. For right. instance, uh, one of my close friends was on the United States um, snowboard racing team, so she did World Cup racing, um, and the folks who did World Cup snowboard racing. Uh, they are not, generally speaking, super tall. Uh, The goal is to get low and be aerodynamic. So some of the things that would be a benefit in basketball, you're not going to see that same type of body at the very high level in um, snowboard racing. Uh, Rock climbing, you know, different routes benefit different body types. Uh, So all of this stuff is very sports specific and really, you know, it's at the very high level that we should be thinking in complex ways about fairness, but it's also true at the very high level uh, that most of the people are very special in all sorts of ways, including maybe having a higher than normal just standard issue with no medication testosterone levels. So it's
3: like, uh, the, people who have longer legs are generally better at running. So like if somebody was born naturally with slightly longer legs than everyone else on the team, should we ban them? Like, no, right. it's the same argument.
2: Yes, yeah. or we could ban people who uh, grew up in Colorado because of the advantage <laughs> that they're gonna have over people who grew up in coastal regions because the oxygen levels are different.
3: Mm
1: yeah I mean, maybe immediately thought of jockeys are usually um, short. more compact short right and more compact frame um we can go to the huge stereotype of basketball if someone's really tall, um especially if they're african American you go do you play basketball, which is insulting but um but I don't watch sports that much, but I've been around or I've had sports partners and there's a short guy who plays basketball and plays it really well. Um, or it's someone that plays football um, that's a different body type. And it was something else I was, I'm not into football. One of my long-term exes was football, football, football. And I remember watching one day and I was like, wow, who's that guy? Oh my God, I just forgot his name and he retired. But he was a short guy. Uh, he played for New York something, I think. I don't know, I I'm, I'm, don't even remember. But he was just really, really fast. And I happened to walk by and go, wow, that guy's, you know, going really fast. And I was surprised to see someone of that stature in football. Because when I think of football, and maybe the world too, you think of this, this guy that's, you know, um, a football player.
3: Broad um, shoulders and like tall. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I can't think of it. It popped into my head for a second. So, but yeah, so it definitely makes sense. And I think it's just another way to... Um, Frame hate mm-hmm. um, and lack of acceptance.
2: Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I've been focusing on is uh, to talking talking about the benefits of participation in sports. Um, there's a study uh, from. Let me look at this. This is a group called Ruling Our Experiences, and it's about. Uh, the experiences of girls in sports. Um, and so when I talk about some of the benefits of participating in sports, let's just kind of think in our minds, what, who would benefit the most from this? Who needs this the most? So um, we've got, uh, when compared to girls who do not play sports, female high school athletes are 14% more likely to believe that they're smart enough for their dream career. They're 11% more likely to say that they're happy the way they are, who needs that? I mean, come on. They're 16% less likely to think that they need to change their appearance. Um, they are much less likely to say that they're not good at math and science. They're much less likely to say they're not good at lots of things. So um, they they just have like lower lo- levels of sadness and depression. Um, they have, you know, more, more, more of a network of people who, who reaffirm their value. And I would love to be able to give all of those benefits to every trans or gender nonconforming kid in school because we know that these are some of their toughest years.
3: Mm-hmm. We know that uh, really the biggest thing for transgender mental health, it isn't just about being able to transition, but like the number one thing that helps a transgender person's mental health is to be affirmed by other people just to know that they have support and that they have the same opportunities as other people.
1: Yeah you know what and I was totally a kid that did not play sports and um, I remember being in the gym and the teacher just saying okay, for the rings, can you just hold on for like 10 seconds or something? And I sucked at it and not between the locker room and just not being into sports to this day. I still did not have a lot of upper body strength, um, but just, um, it was not there. So I really appreciated when my daughter went to project learn school and she got to play sports. turns out she was really, um, good at sports good at soccer. Um, but it started with her being able to play no matter what her age was and not being excluded and letting her know that she was good enough to play. Somehow that tied in there. Um, but I definitely agree that um, for trans kids, for girls, just for, to take that away so that our kids are healthier. Because luckily, later, this is going to be on someone's psychiatry couch trying to get past this. Yeah. You know? Um,
2: it's it's really toxic.
1: Yes, yes, Sandy. Um, I, I, how much time do we have, Sandy? Twelve minutes. We have twelve minutes. Um, so we are we, we want to um we're going to have to come back. You guys are going to have to come back and consider this con this con and continue this conversation because this tone is it's so many legs and arms to it. You know, it's not just okay. Here's here's kind of the headline, but it, it affects us. And if, it affects, if it affects one, it affects us all. Um. Um, in so many ways. Um, so we're going to come. We're going to kind of tie up. did you guys want to? Can Sandy, Henry, and Chris, do you guys want to ask any? Um, add any closing remarks? I'm sorry, Sandy sent me a message. I got slightly sidetracked there. Any kind of closing remarks, comments about this topic?
2: Um, I think my closing remark would be to for everybody who cares about trans kids and is listening to try to talk about this with some people in your lives, that would be a tremendous thing. And just remember that regardless of whether it's this you're talking about or some similar issue, emphasizing shared values, making people feel heard, and then explaining to them why it's important to protect trans students and trans athletes, that's gonna be a very valuable thing. And you'll you'll be absolutely killing it at being Uh, a member of a democracy.
3: The last thing I just wanted to throw in about Title IX was I'm pretty sure the Obama administration also had some sort of guidance saying that Title IX covered transgender people, Um, but then the Trump administration removed that guidance and this was pretty much just the Biden administration putting it back um, and maybe expanding on it slightly, which is why it's so, so important that we pass the Equality Act because that's what we really need in writing is saying that transgender and non-binary people and LGBTQ plus people are protected under the law.
1: Absolutely. Um, so based on that conversation, we normally would go right into GASQ, Gay Answers to Straight Questions. And I wanna- um, I was just gonna
0: say, you know, the, we have some political items, but I think the subject was so important that we can, most of these, I think we can uh, deal with in next next week's episode. Yes. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, um, I we've started a tradition of late when we get to gay answers to straight questions of asking our guests whether they've had any questions that would fit this category. Let me just explain, um, as, as we say here on on cue the mic, there are no stupid questions, only stupid people, and the point of gas cue is to sort of like provide the clues for the clueless. And I'm sure both of you have gotten some pretty clueless sounding questions, um, you know, relating to sexuality, you know, issue, gender, etc. cetera. Uh, can I ask you to offer an example of a gay answer to a straight question?
2: Sure, um, I think this, This would be, you know, sort of subset trans answers to cis questions. Uh, But one thing I'm always struck by is how shocked some straight cisgender people are to learn that you can be a transgender man or a transgender woman and be gay or lesbian or bi or pan. In other words, your uh, gender presentation doesn't preclude you from the whole span of human sexual orientations. Uh, and I think the glitch that's happening, it's not, it's its one of those things that comes from the uh, sort of like undercurrent of compulsory heterosexuality that, that runs like a sort of silent river underneath our society where they're just kind of assuming that trans people are trying to be like straight normal, like normal straight folk, right? And so it blows their minds sometimes when you know, I, I am actually uh, married to somebody who identifies as a woman, but I'll, I have several friends who uh, are trans guys who date guys, because we're not trying to be anybody other than who we are.
1: Mm.
3: Powerful. Yeah, I have seen that before where it like baffles cisgender people's minds. Like, why would you transition just to be gay? Like, why wouldn't you just settle with like being a straight woman or being a straight man? It's like, well, that's not really how gender works. So. Yeah. So
2: also, I'm not trying to be you yeah. or anything that makes you more comfortable. Like, I'm not trying to make your life easier. I only get one shot at this. We have to take our shot and be ourselves with as much integrity and honesty as possible.
1: You know, and, and, and both of those tie back to our entire conversation this evening. You know, um, just we're people. We're people and stop the hate. It's, it's, it's like twofold. Um, stop hating because I'm different. Um, and how do you even know I'm different when you're basing your hate on something? Um, my preferences for yes. intimate partners, my preferences for friends, my preferences for the color of my mate, the color of my skin or whatever it is. Um, so I think that's that's, that's that's where we're at there. I'm going to leave it there. Um, and normally we do a newsworthy or not, and we're going to take some of the topics that we missed, that we didn't have time to talk about this week, that we would Can talk I about. I kind of week. had
3: to ask you if I could.
1: Oh, yes, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so th- sorry. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. <laughs>
3: it's, it's not necessarily like a question answer, but it's sort of a story. Um, it was just something funny that happened recently due to my name. Um, so I got a call the other day from like a contractor who is going to be doing work on our house And I answer the phone and I'm like, yes, hello. And they're like, oh, hi, is this Brandy? And I was like, no, this is Chris. Are you talking about my husband, Brady? And they were like, oh, yeah. And I was like, "Okay." And like after the conversation ended, I realized what had happened was they saw the names Chris and Brady on the sheet and figured that Chris must have been the man in the relationship. And Brady just must have been a misspelling of Brandy. So when they heard my voice on the other end, they assumed that I was this Brandy person. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it's so like, it's just one of those things where like, you obviously didn't understand the concept of like a queer (laughs) relationship or like gender neutral names or that Brady is a men's name because a lot of people don't actually know Brady's, so. It was just, it was an interesting
0: name rather than the first name.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause he's Brady Nelson. So people have gotten confused. Like, so which one's the f- first, <laughs> like, are you Nelson Brady or Brady? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And that goes back to Sandy while, you know, he says, okay, usually they think that I'm a, I'm a female because the name of Sandy is, is traditionally female. Um, but we are quickly running out of time. Um, so we're going to move our political, what we're going to do for the political cues into our newsworthy or not. And, Sandy, you want to describe newsworthy or not? Well, actually, newsworthy or not is
0: usually our lightning round, where we have some unusual items from the news uh, that we repeat and that we relate. Uh, you know, we, we give a quick reaction to it. Now, child, Please two thumbs up, you know, handed it, et cetera, et cetera. One of these two items, I think, is a little too important to treat that way. So I think we're going to do the item about Philly Pride Presents next week. Uh, but we do have an item in which the uh, American Catholic bishops apparently want to sit on President Biden. Um, defying the Vatican uh, advice, they are about to come out with some guidance that basically says that because our president isn't gung-ho on pro-life, we should deny him
1: communion. Yeah, this is why I am, um, oh my God, I forgot to say quick. What am I, Sandy? I am- um, Agnostic. Agnostic, to- oh my God. Okay, it's been a long day. I didn't speak well last night. I'm agnostic because it's just like, sometimes the things I hear are just, they're out there um so we're going to talk about that
3: later where i don't really have much opinion on religion like but i guess churches can do what they want and i hope joe finds another way to be spiritual in a way that is welcoming to him
1: yeah you know and, and i think that that's the part that's hard because i don't think people i don't think as humans we we convert or change religion that often not that many Uh, people do
0: yeah that's the funny thing actually i'd say it may be harder for a person to change one's religious identity than one's gender identity
3: oh yeah i was so much more terrified to tell my parents i was an atheist than i was i was non-binary honestly
1: and you can't take communion because we don't agree with your politics
0: Well, you know, that that shows the split in the Catholic Church because, you know, this Pope is clearly less than, you know, less, less rigid on doctrine than many of his predecessors. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is showing that we've got a lot of, if you will, Catholic sticks in the mud. I'm going to suggest we leave it at that now because it's about time we wrapped up this episode. Yes. And we'll go, I will go into the reasons why next week.
1: But that's our show for today. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Alexa, because she's always listening. Thank you, Chris and Henry, for joining joining us this evening.
3: Thank you. It, thank it's, you for uh, having me.
1: Yes. Thank you so yes. much. You guys brought a lot of insights. Sandy, you going to take us home?
0: I sure will. You have been listening to Cue the Mic on Germantown Community Radio. 92.9 FMWGGTLP, Philadelphia, and online at gtownradio.com, Saturdays at 2 p.m. on WXVU 89.1, Villanova's campus community radio station. See you all next week.